Hey there, you're listening to Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide. It's a podcast where we talk about life, music, and spirituality. As we get into this, I just want you to know that it's not about getting you to believe what I believe. It's about asking you to ask yourself why you believe what you believe. Hey there, everybody. This is Eric. And I just wanted to remind you that you can now support Don't Be an Asshole, a spiritual guide monthly by going to patron.podbean.com forward slash Eric Tomier. As always, there will be a link down in the description. Your support will help us make better content for you to listen to. I'm really passionate about this podcast. I love sharing people's stories, and your support could really help make that happen. Whether it's a dollar a month, $5 a month, $50 a month, anything will help. And I appreciate everyone who is listening and is a part of this community. All right. Well, all right. Here we are getting ready for another episode of Don't Be an Asshole, the Spiritual Guide. I decided to revisit a couple of the scriptures and things that are important to me, that are kind of touchstones for my life. Those of you who know me know that I think Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31, which says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, is the central theme of the New Testament. That's kind of the wheel that makes the entire thing go round and round. And what that means is love God, love people, and don't be an asshole. But one of the scriptures that I think is a maybe the oil that makes those ball bearings actually work is found in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 and that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and here's what that precedes there's a whole bunch of things Paul says about wives submitting to husbands husbands love your wives and you know so forth and so on and those are the things people focus on but they don't focus on this mutual submission. Nobody really cares for the wives submit to your husband verse, especially now. And here's the deal. It's been taken so far out of context, especially by husbands who think that it's important for wives to submit to them, no matter how much of an asshole they might be. And that's not what this is saying. None of the other stuff makes sense without verse 21 that says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This mutual submission thing, whether you are a Jesus follower or not, this is just a good way to not be an asshole. Put other people in front of yourself. Think of other people as at least as important as you are because nobody's more important than anybody else. Lend your power and influence to people who are less powerful and less influential than you are. And then when we're doing that, wives submitting to husbands, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents, fathers not exasperating their children, employers treating your employees correctly, all that makes sense when the entire bit of humanity is submitting to one another. So... Love God, love people, don't be an asshole, submit to one another. That's what I think. Let me know what you think. All right. Hey there, everybody. My guest today is Trevor Algott. He is one of my voiceover coaches. He's an actor. He was the host of Inside Acting Podcast for several years. 
and he is also someone who is passionate about being kind to everything, people and animals. Uh, he's a gentleman and a scholar and a competitive swimmer, so the guy's kind of an all-around stud. Anyway, let's get into this part one interview with Trevor Algott. All right. Um, that that's the the main thing. I yeah. I don't want anyone to think I'm a fool or anything like that. Oh man. So all right. So you know, let's just uh, dive right in, man. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So for the most part, I just want you to tell me about who you are, because I want to know more about you, Trevor. This is so strange. I'm so used to sitting on the other end and being the guy asking the questions. So right. I'm a little bit nervous about how this is going to go. Oh, yeah. Me too. Um, because, <laughs> you know, everyone else that I've interviewed... Okay, so far I've interviewed four people. And there's been a lot of uh, stuff from that because I'm trying to pare them down to like half-hour interviews. I've interviewed one guy that I knew pretty well, one guy that I was really close with, and then a girl that I've known for years. And then last week I interviewed a guy that I met that day. Wow. Who, who was it? And, and uh... it was, I met him online through the Facebook group. I'll guess for that podcast. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. It's uh people. I, I just put on there. This is what my podcast is about. I'm looking for people in the LA area. He's like, he has a podcast and he's, you know, in the LA area. turns out we were like uh, three miles from each other. And wow. um, so I went over to his place and we sat down and we talked for like two hours you know, we'll, I'll get at least two or three episodes out of it. What was it that drew you to him? Well, he just volunteered, first of oh, all. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's his story? Is yeah. He... Yeah, he had a story. He uh, does a podcast. He's from L.A., you know, raised in raised in Long Beach, uh, remembers the riots. He just had stories to tell, you know, yeah. and was different, you know, had a different uh, spiritual situation than anyone else I've talked to. So that was interesting as well. Cool. So... So basically, I guess start start me off by like telling me like where you came from and kind of what kind of upbringing you had. Sure, I uh, grew up in Philly, uh, just just outside of Philly, just outside of um, right near Villanova University. If you know where that is, um, on I the main don't. Line. But... You ever, you've seen Titanic, right? Yeah. So you know all the super wealthy snobby people. In yeah. That movie? They all grew up where I grew up. Okay. Uh, although my experience of that town wasn't like that, uh, but we there was definitely some wealth around. Uh, and I was raised Episcopalian. Okay. Um, and uh, and my my dad was a wonderful champion for everything. When I when I came out, uh, telling him I wanted to be an actor, not right. not came out sexually. Right. I'm 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 a straight male. But uh, when I when I um when I told him I wanted to be an actor, he was very much a, a champion of that. And he supported That's great. supported me from from day one. Yeah, I was raised in a very uh, like I don't know Midwest in the '80s, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah, no one no one wanted to be an actor. Even if they did want to be an actor, it's like, no, nah, you're going to be a welder. You right, know, it's right. a much different uh, experience. I was thinking on the way here, what kind of personality it takes to be someone who's like, yeah, I can stand up in front of people and entertain them. I'm going to be an actor, yeah. not a lawyer, not a welder, not a plumber, not a postman, but an actor. And there's like this level of self-confidence that goes into that. It's not the same as like, thinking you can be the president of the United States because no matter who the president is, whether you like him or not from someone who looks and seems as humble as Jimmy Carter all the way to what we have going on right now, they all looked in the mirror at one point and said, you know, I can run the whole damn thing. 
And it's like, whoa, can you? Mm -hmm. And and so on a much lesser extent, here we are going like, yeah, people care about what I do in front of a camera. Yeah. You know, it's so strange. But it's cool to have some people around you that were like, yeah, man, go for it. Yeah, I've thought about that a lot, actually. Like, what is it that drives us? And I think it really is a it's a it's a passion to share stories and create culture and tell talk about the human condition. So it is interesting. I think at one point on one on one end of it, there's the ego thing, you know, where it's like, look at me, check me out. I can sing. I can dance. I'm good looking. I'm whatever. And you want to sort of show people that. Yeah, for sure. And then the other side is. I want to talk about what it's like to be a human being in the world and we're all damaged and I want to, I want to relate to somebody. I had an acting teacher once that, that said, I want you all to think really carefully about why you've chosen this, this profession, this career path, because it is arguably the most intimate way to connect with a stranger. Think about what it is in you that's driving you to connect with strangers in this incredibly intimate way. And I, I never looked at acting the same way again after that. Yeah, that, that just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's know, trippy little, when you really strip yeah. it down. It's like, what are we really doing? Besides the ego thing, which drives a lot of us, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. It's just something to be aware of. But, yeah, but to, beyond know. that, it's like, what are we really after? So when did you come out to Los Angeles? 2003, late 2003, uh, September, October, November. So it's it's been literally like this this quarter of the year. It's been 15 years. So you've you've done it all. Uh, that's debatable, but, uh, but I've done, I've done, I've experienced definitely the highs and lows of, of Los Angeles living, I would say. Cool. So yeah, I don't really have like specific questions like at this part and point in place of a, of an interview. I just want people to feel free to talk about what moves them. And, um, there's a couple of questions obviously that I'll, that I'll get to. Cause I, I email people questions in advance, you know, yeah. at least now I type them. Everyone else so far, I've just written it on a piece of paper and I took a picture of it and, and sent it. So there you go, man. You you can. There's no uh, room for error on, on this one. <laughs> I'm honored yeah. to be the uh, recipient yeah. of the yeah the recipient digital of the version first, the the first typed out version of what I'm doing. All right, so um, you said you were raised Episcopalian. Yeah. What was that like? Because I don't think I've ever been to an Episcopalian church. I've heard it described as Catholic light. Okay. Uh, lots of, you know, wooden pews, very ritualistic. Lots mm-hmm. of turn to hymn or Psalm 216 or whatever in your hymnal, stand up, sit down, kneel, mm-hmm. offering, all that stuff. Um, all built around a sort of lecture from the priest. Right. Uh, and I, you know, as a kid, it's terrible. It's mm-hmm. like the worst part of your week is the hour and 15 minutes you spend dressing up in these uncomfortable clothes and, and sitting in church. And it never really uh, agreed with me. My okay. dad is, his faith is very strong. He's very devoted to studying the Bible and to his faith and things. And I, I've always sort of, it, it, something never sat right with me about, the, some of the stories in the Bible, and I, I agree with the lessons. You know, be a good person. You know, mm-hmm. do unto others. Um, a lot of that stuff, absolutely. All oh, right, and I and I get the Bible using stories to. Um, and I hope I'm not like stepping on your toes here talking no, man. talking about this. But you know, I, I get it. Uh, um, using stories to perpetuate these sort of ideal behaviors, but I I see them differently. I see them more as a sort of product of of tribal evolution. Right. Than, than a, a sort of divine knowledge inserted into the human minds. So, you know, it's just what I believe uh, or what I feel at this phase of my life. I'm old enough to know that uh, I'm not going to be this person I am in this moment 
forever. I right. will. I will change probably in the next five minutes <clears throat> and walk back some stuff that I've said. Oh, I, but, I know. I've said that on this podcast. Yeah, I, I've yeah. said. You know, per, first of all, this grace and mercy that we preach about. I want to extend as much as possible to anyone else's uh, faulty theology because I know I have it. That over the course of thousands of years, we've come up with these these rules that we live by, these lists of this is what God meant when he used this person to say that. And, you know, a lot of smart people came up with these things, but uh, maybe somebody missed something. Yeah, I want to extend the same kind of grace that I hope God will extend me at the end of time or however this works out. Again, maybe we missed what that means, what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, so I'm at a point in place in my life right now where I've never been more comfortable in admitting I could be wrong. Wow. It's, it took a long time to be here, man. When I was a, a 23-year-old Bible college student, I knew every damn thing there was to know. Yep. Someone wanted to come at me. I'm going to come at me, bro. Come at me, you Calvinist. <laughs> I got a rebuttal you know? for everything. Yeah, I know it, man. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, you believe in eternal salvation? Well, let me tell you about James chapter whatever. Right, you know? right. And they were like, yeah, but let me tell you about what Paul said. I'm like, oh, here we go. And, right. uh, and so I just had this almost argumentative spirit that I don't think really nobody has ever been convinced of spirituality by an argument it's how you live your life around people amen yeah. so i feel the same way about a, a vegan diet a plant-based mm-hmm. diet it's like mm-hmm. nobody nobody believe you're not going to convince people by telling them they're wrong right you convince them by showing up as a compassionate concerned uh you know sensitive uh you know champion for peace yeah in the world yeah um like i'm i'm more convinced uh, when I see the results that you have, n- I'm I'm not at the point in place where I'm like, oh, I hope those cows are feeling okay. You know, I, I don't feel that way about cows. And I know it's like, oh my God, what a dick you are. <laughs> but I'm like, but I also don't want to have a heart attack when I'm 52 years old. So I want to, I'm like, okay, you look like you know what you're doing. I don't like it when, like, I don't like going to a gym and a trainer looks worse than me. Mm. You know, I don't like talking to somebody about nutrition and they're fatter than me. Um, now they might have a lot of head knowledge. I've learned a lot about nutrition over the years, but I don't look like someone who needs to be telling someone else how they should eat, you know? So I don't, <laughs> you know, right, that's yeah. just the bottom line. Um, but yeah. when somebody, when the old saying is the proof is in the pudding, and you know, I don't. I've never had vegan pudding before. I'm I'm willing to try. You're missing out, brother. Yeah, I'm missing out, man. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, and I see people living good lives, enjoying their life. You know, I don't. I'm not afraid of a flavor profile. I just, I just haven't gone that. I haven't jumped yeah. on that uh, that thing yet. Well, it's tricky because food is. I mean, speaking of intimacy, right? Being mm-hmm. an actor, connecting intimately with other people. Food is arguably the most intimate thing we do every day. Eating. Like, it doesn't get more intimate 
then the food that you choose to put into your mouth mm-hmm. and chew and swallow and digest and assimilate into your physical being. I mean, I name something that we do that is more intimate than that. So there's a lot of psychology. Mastication. <laughs> oh yeah. Masticate that hard. Uh, there's a lot of psychology built into it. A lot of identity and a yeah. lot of culture and tradition and, and um, just a whole mess of stuff. And so, to, to come along and tell people how to do something because some there was some study you read about on the internet about it, that, that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't get you very far. I mean, the sensory memory that goes with food, you yeah, know. it's so emotional. Yeah, yeah, one of the things I like to talk about on this podcast is music, but food is right up there. Like, we could just as easily, instead of saying what song takes you to a certain place, what meal. Yeah. Like, tell me about a meal that was the best meal you ever ate would be a great question. And then what happened? Why was that such a good meal? Was it just because it tasted good or was it the people you were with? Yeah. You know, I mean, we could, we could talk the crap out of that. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. I already got a few. Yeah. 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 Totally. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But speaking of, uh, just things that take you to that intimate place. Um, well, that was a plosive, um, to that, that intimate place is, is music. I know you're a musician and I, when I just picked a random one of your podcasts to listen to just to be like, Oh, what does Trevor do in his podcast? You know, I was trying to figure out how to do this. It was the one where you unveiled, uh, that nine inch nails song. Mm, and yeah, you, yeah I was yeah, really the cover. I did. Yeah, yeah. The cover you did of, uh, yeah. of hurt and, um, unveiled, <laughs> unveiled. <laughs> it's such a dramatic yeah. description. I love it. Yeah. So I know you, you, have a an emotional connection to music because first of all choosing that song to do is is a big one and yeah. there's a lot of emotion behind that uh, those lyrics but tell me about a song that always takes you to the same memory yeah well uh the song was hurt by nine snails for <laughs> anybody listening um <clears throat> the, the the cover that i did but I was thinking about it. So you sent this question ahead of time and mm-hmm. I was like, oh man, there's so many songs that have defined moments and eras in my, in my life. But I think that the one that shook me the most, that, that really took my entire worldview and turned it upside down was off that same album. When the Downward Spiral came out, that album, mm-hmm. I was like de-virginized when it came to music. I was listening to Genesis and Phil Collins, which my dad had sort of started me on. And you know that led to like Huey Lewis and the News <laughs> and of course like... Boston and Journey and all these other sort of bands from that era. And then my older brother was listening to Metallica and Guns N' Roses. And that was sort of like, all right, you know, I I get the sort of evolution of rock here. But when I heard Nine Inch Nails for the first time, and it was just this organized mess of chaos and noise and misery and just this raw, like, I, I had never heard anything like it. And it just completely blew my world wide open. And I was feeling things that I'd never felt before listening to sounds. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how is this possible? And the artwork is very stark and and minimalist and, and, um, and there's no like grammar in any of the lyrics. Like it's all just like lowercase, no punctuation. I'd never seen anything like it. So the track that really sort of, I mean, that whole album was everything, but the one track was track number three. It's called heresy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, this is going to sound funny, but I, I listened to it a bunch of times and I liked the music, but the message of it sort of irked me. Even though I grew up Episcopalian, hating church and not really believing all the things that were being sort of preached to me on a weekly basis, I knew that something about this song wasn't resonating with me in a positive way Mm -hmm. because the chorus is, your God is dead and no one cares. If there's a hell, I'll see you there. And I would listen to that song because I liked it 
the most at the at the time. Uh, you know, not to mention Closer, uh, track yeah. number five. Um, God, uh, track number nine is uh, what is it? The words are like, I've got a big dick. I'm going to blow a hole in your head. And like all this like weird it's, stuff. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's not Trent speaking necessarily. He's taking on different characters or different personas. Mm-hmm. This, this whole concept album thing. That's another thing. It was a concept album, which blew yeah. my mind open. Not just a collection of songs. It was a, a journey, a story you went on from start to finish. So anyway, I listened to this song and I was like, I don't, I don't think this is sending a good sort of spiritual vibrational message. I was like 11 years old. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to. I'm going to make a pact with whatever higher power is up there that I'm not going to indulge in this kind of thing. Hmm. You know, I, I uh, admire and respect and enjoy the storytelling, free speech, let it fly. Yeah. I'm not going to put that into my being uh, on a repeated basis. So I I actually made a pact. I said, you know, God or whoever's up there, I'm not going to listen to the song ever again. Okay. Wow, that's uh So, yeah, and then there's been so many times over the years where I've been listening to that album because it's just an album I like to put headphones on, close my eyes and just be taken away, mm-hmm. and I I still skip over that track. All right. Like 30 years later, I still skip over that track. The memories that we form around music are so powerful. Yeah. Uh I like to say that it's it's the most surface of all the art forms in that you, when you scratch because it's so deep in you, it's everything that just like starts pouring out. It's like, whoa, oh my God, because all these emotions are there. Like, I'm not a big crier. I don't cry a lot, but music just gets me. I can't almost help it. Like when I hear the guitar solo, the second guitar solo in Comfortably Numb, I almost lose my shit every time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's just, it is emotional because yeah. somebody put so much into it and you can feel that. You know, it's like a it's like a horror crux. You know, it's yeah, uh, it, <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Actually, yeah, yeah. somebody yeah. somebody put so much of themselves into something that's so visceral that when you experience it, it just comes rushing out at you. Yeah, and then that just gets in your soul. And I I do believe in a soul. I do believe that there's another part of us uh, that we're spiritual beings. Whether I got it right or got it wrong in my own theology, I believe that we're spiritual beings, and music is that strumming vibration that connects all of us together. Yeah. And um, I mean, film is a very visceral art form that we can all connect to, um, and then all the all the other visual arts, uh, paintings, uh, photography, all those. But I, I, those I think people can separate themselves a little bit further away from than than music does whether it's listening to Chopin or Vivaldi, like any of the good classical music, or you get into stuff that just like really thrashes you like the Ramones or the Clash. Yeah. Um, it, it all does something. It all does something to you. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's purposeful. To me, I, and what I tell people all the time, I like to think and study to classical music because all music makes me think. I don't know if it makes everybody think, but all music makes me think. But lyrical and pop music makes me think about what the artist wants me to think about. What he was thinking about, what he was feeling, yeah. is the images that pop into my mind. But when I'm listening to Chopin or Beethoven or Vivaldi, then I get to paint the picture. Hmm. I get to be the one creating the narrative of what's happening. And so that's when I'm most creative with writing or anything else that I might be doing, uh, it's all, especially with Chopin. I don't know why that guy particularly, but 
something about the voicings and those chords just start get that strumming that vibration in yeah. my soul is it's really going nuts like a like a low e string in slow motion you know it's crazy right. now is that because there's no lyrics or because it's classical or both or probably what is it? probably both um i haven't given it the thought it deserves to be honest i i think it's the soothness of it because you know i don't think i get the same uh i wouldn't get the same feeling with flight of the valkyries you know, that's just, dun, 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 dun. It's just like right. too much. I'm like, Oh gosh, let's uh, go shoot some people, you know, because I can't separate that song yeah. from apocalypse now. Right. Um, nobody can. Yeah. 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 At this point, like if you've seen apocalypse now and, and you've heard, you know, with sound on, then you can't separate those two songs that two, yeah. those two things anymore. But I think, um, probably just the melancholy of the piano playing, uh, because mm-hmm. Chopin, Although he did do symphonics and things, he wasn't like Beethoven or Mozart where he did like these huge, gigantic symphony things. He sat down at a piano and played it very smoothly and then started beating the crap out of it and then ended very smoothly. And you get that real intense. Um, He played piano kind of like the way Keith Moon plays drums where you're like, is he going to be okay? Right. <laughs> and, and, Am I listening to somebody die right now? Yeah. And then it all it all works out. Yeah. Um I have a ton of songs that always take me back to the same place and same time. Yeah, what's one for you? I was walking home when I was it was in nineteen eighty seven. So I don't know if I was in the seventh grade or eighth grade at that point in place. I think no no no. I was either in sixth or seventh grade. I think sixth grade actually. It was nineteen eighty seven. And Appetite for Destruction had recently come out, the Guns N' Roses album. My dad had it on audio tape. And so I listened to it in the car in the 1981 Datsun that he had. And um, what era, man. Yeah. Cassette players. Yeah, the cassette player. And I really, really dug that sound. I was, I was always been a classic rock kid. I never really liked like the 80s, like hair metal, the things that were popular when I was in the sixth, seventh, and eighth grade that all the other kids liked. I was listening to Neil Young and John Lennon's like solo albums and the Beatles and, and then Guns N' Roses came around and I was like, Oh my God, this is really good. And there was this kid who lived down the street from me and I've always been like the soft doughy, uh, fat kid, you know, had a, a really weird mullet and, uh, just a mullet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like just, I, I was the pasty doughboy. With a mullet. With a mullet. And there was this kid who lived like six houses down from me who was like in the eighth grade. So I went to a middle school that was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So he was like the coolest kid in the school. Had like the long flowing uh, Sammy Hagar hair, wore uh, the jean jacket, had a BMX bike, and did tricks on the street and stuff. And uh, one day we were walking home from the bus stop after school. And an ice cream truck went by playing Beethoven, which I loved, but I didn't say that. I just said, wouldn't it be cool if they were playing Welcome to the Jungle? And this kid looks at me and he was like, Guns N' Roses sucks. I said, you suck. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that guy's not cool to me anymore. And wow. so that's the, every time I hear Welcome to the Jungle, I think of that. You think guy. of that moment? Yeah. I'm, that. I'm more intrigued by the ice cream truck playing classical music. Don't they usually just play the, the little like ice cream jingle? That's As one they drive of the, down the street. Uh, one they uh, there's like three different songs, and one of the songs that Ice Cream Trucks play is a classical. Wow. Uh, yeah. Maybe I've just never clocked that in my life. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure 
it seemed to me that it was a I don't know. I mean, this was 1987, right? So right. it's been a it's been a minute, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So I was like wow. 11 or 12 at that point. Wow. And this kid was man. I I just thought he was so cool. And right up until that moment, until he shattered that illusion. Yeah, I was like, no, you're not cool, dude. Yeah, you're not cool yeah. at all. Well, that was part number one with my conversation with Trevor. I look forward to the rest of this conversation. I'm not sure if it's going to be two parts or three parts. Really smart dude, and I look forward for you guys to hear all the other things he has to say. All right.